In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all, I just want to meet a guy that'll play with me during the wet Portland winters. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workup and oh, I forgot to do the little intro thing too, which I was going to do in Portland. No one can hear you scream, but I forgot <laughs> that. Wow. We are off to a great start. I am Todd Workhoven, one of your hosts. Uh, with me as always is Brian the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Hey, Todd. I'm doing well. Glad to be back here at Portland at the Movies. Yes, yes. And not with us once again is Mark. I think Mark has left the show. Mark has stormed off. Mark has moved to China. He has moved to China and will n- refuses to record with anymore but in his place is uh my friend and yours brian turner how are you brian i'm good i'm glad to have been butted off of mark in order to fill his spot. that's right we only, <laughs> had to, we only had to dispose of him in china for you to take over uh well this month's movie is called hear no evil from 1993 it is a movie starring marley matlin and db sweeney and martin sheen uh and john c mcginley <laughs> And before we get into Hear No Evil, yeah. I have uh, a little side thing that I want to talk about that I can tie into Portland at the Movies uh, to a small degree. Okay. Um, so, of course, Todd, you and I are both fans of uh, The Bins. Yes. And one of these days we'll get around to recording more episodes of Binsworthy our... on YouTube? Yes. Is that what you mean? Yes. So if you go to YouTube and search Binsworthy, you should be able to find a pretty great show. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I discovered recently the single greatest VHS tape that I have ever found in the bins. And wow. I, that is not an exaggeration. Is, he showed that it to us earlier and I, I can concur that it's quite incredible. So this is pretty much the tape that you are constantly searching for, hoping that you would find. And I Col- found it. Color me intrigued. <laughs> okay. It's in this uh, paper bag here. I'll pass it to you. And you can pull it out. I hope it's Homer and Eddie. <laughs> yes. For the podcast listeners, he's opening a bag. With a VHS tape. It is... Crazy Video Volume 3 is uh, hand-labeled, of course, with uh, magic marker um, over... I can't yeah, read what the pencil says. Something it's something mixed. under it. I would like to know, actually, now what... So what is what what is Crazy Video Volume 3? That is a supercut from the days before supercuts. Um, this person has collected, essentially, the crazy moments from television, film, uh, music videos, just uh, television commercials, these, and they're completely out of context. Well, and sometimes they're like thematic. Like there was a segment that was just horses, right. but then it was like <laughs> that didn't matter. Like it, about four seconds later, it was something completely different, and then there'd be like a spaceship, and that was it. Like one half like, a second of a spaceship. It's things recorded off a of television. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's the, like the, if when you used to use the radio to make a mixtape when you were sitting in your car yep, or yep. at home with the two cassette tape thing or whatever. You know. But so I, sh- I showed this to Brian yeah. earlier today. Okay. So you like, have you, watched it then, because there are a lot of tapes that you find like this that are just labeled, you know, whatever. Right. So it's recorded in SP mode, so it is two hours, and it is a full two hours of just the most random. Uh, it kind of leans heavily into the, there, there's a high percentage of horror movies in there, but like really obscure what stuff. Age, I couldn't. What what time era are we talking about? Well, or is it like his whole childhood? No, it's it's stuff we would have. Well, it's probably all from I would say ninety four to two thousand and one. No, there, there's stuff before there's, that. You're right. There's sure. stuff yeah. before that because there was like. There's at least stuff from the 80s as well. I'll, I'll, I'll try to post this up on uh, the Portland at the Movies um, YouTube page. Too. Oh, it, it absolutely deserves to be on YouTube. As well as mine, but nobody goes to mine. <laughs> 
my YouTube page except for YouTube. Yeah, the, the clips <laughs> the clips range anywhere from like two seconds to a minute and a half. So I'm really curious to know if it gets flagged. Okay. Yeah. Well, everything on my page has been flagged except the Alyssa Milano workout tape, which has not been flagged, <laughs> because even like uh, posting, I'll, I'll find you know Oregon from the air or whatever. The background music is usually what gets flagged, which is interesting because mm-hmm. it's all the same catalog music that is probably still under license. Well, just the breadth and quality of the different kinds of okay. clips that are in that tape are, is so massive that I thought that this tape had to be something that somebody put together and then it was passed around on VHS and it like, you know, like recorded over. Exactly. But in this tape, uh, you can clearly see the station uh, watermarks and there are KPB uh, or KPDX, KPTV, um, OPB. So it's clearly recorded locally. Right, right. Interesting. KPTV so, shows up in this movie as well. <laughs> we'll get to that. But anyways, what I'm saying is this could be the only copy of this tape in existence and wow. it deserves to be appreciated as it like the... It's kind of a piece of art unto yeah. itself. Well, it is all this. I mean, the fascination that I have with this has nothing to do with Portland at the movies. Yeah, no, I was thinking that's that we, the plot of Hear No Evil. Good night, everybody. I know. <laughs> but the, all this kind of found, not art, but just there's that whole magazine, Found Magazine or whatever, where they do the similar things where they find a note on the street or like this one thing. And oh, yeah. it's just the promise of this weird, sometimes marked, sometimes not tape that no one else in existence is going to save. Yeah. And so let's put this on the internet to live forever, which is just such a strange idea. Just don't start watching it unless you have two hours to burn. Because okay. once you start watching it, you're not going to be able to put it down. Okay. Yeah, Crystal d- had a hard time pulling herself away when she was watching it. Interesting, really. yes. I'll, I'll, I'll put that up on the Portland of the Movies YouTube channel to check out. But... What we're obviously avoiding talking about is the 1993 thriller, Hear No Evil, like I said, starring Marley Matlin, D.B. Sweeney, Martin Sheen, and John C. McGinley, directed by... Did you guys look into any of the credits and stuff? I, I looked at the Wikipedia for the director, and it was funny because he was something like... He's like 70 or 80 now. Yeah. And it's if you looked at his Wikipedia, it's like he only started making films in like 20, 2008 or something. But it's not true because he directed this movie and did other stuff before then. He's yeah, just he ignoring Yeah, he has an interesting everything. career trajectory because he started out with Xanadu. Yes, that's right. I remember. <gasps> oh. And then uh, one of his other only uh, other feature movies is this 1993 movie, Hear No Evil. And then he pivots into something really interesting because if you've seen the Walmart documentary, which is, I, I forget what the subtitle of that one is called, um, Outfoxed, which is the Fox News documentary. And um, what else? He directed um, those. Outfoxed, uh, Walmart, and there's a there's a couple other ones. Yeah, the high cost those. of the low high pri- cost of low prices. Yeah, yeah it's the one with the, like the the evil smiley face, right? Yeah, like, kind of towering <laughs> over Netflix, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Netflix art is. Well, that's how I remember one. movies huh. now is, yep. is imagery. So. Yeah. Well, it's the same when we grew up at the video store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all remember. We all remember the ghoulies coming out of the toilet. (laughs) But again, this movie. So I don't think, before we kind of get into it, I don't think this movie is poorly directed. There's some really neat things happening visually in it. I I don't think it's even a bad movie, especially by Portland at the movie standards. It is, I mean, from the get-go, from the title sequence when we get the the stylized it, it reminded me of remember in courier of death when they would go in their airplane and do expository dialogue yes and it always looked like they were about to crash into the mountain it reminded it seemed like that footage was filmed by that pilot there were some crazy shots and yeah. you didn't know it was actually giving making me uh, motion sick uh trying to watch it and it was so jerky i had to like stop and figure out if it was supposed to be that jerky or if my playback was just stuttered <laughs> It was really choppy. 
Yeah, agreed entirely. Crystal was actually so my wife and I watched this together. Yeah, and she was like, "How did we get the good one?" Because uh, she's heard me talk about some of the other movies you guys have done. So not so good. Let's explain why why I asked Brian here. I was gonna say because it's his fault that we yes, watched how yeah, Sarah uh, got her wings. It, I, yeah, how Sarah got her wings. If you remember that, it was horrible. And so I wanted an opportunity. I knew Mark wasn't gonna be around, so I wanted an opportunity to pay him back, pay Brian back <laughs> for what he made us suffer through with. But of course, uh, yeah, it we didn't. Didn't pan out that way. No. As many things, I weaseled out of my consequences and got yeah. to watch something decent. <laughs> exactly. But much like how Sarah got her wings, whose only redeeming quality, despite the fact of not being filmed here, had some great Portland footage that it purchased, this movie is like a tour de force of what Portland has to offer. Right. And, and not just stock footage. No. Like on the street inside the houses that they're filming the exteriors of I, it is all over and then like mount hood hood river you're like everywhere every tuesday and then you're like literally taking a running tour through the streets <laughs> at one point yeah i think this might be my new de facto movie when people talk to me about portland movies and yeah. they're like what should i watch and because i mean it is not a it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie. It's like a lifetime movie where it's it's totally. enough. Well, here's the secret. It's yeah. not one movie. It's three movies. Ooh, do tell. Yes. And in fact, I have titles for those three <laughs> movies. because so. The, the, this is why I didn't hesitate at all when Brian said, let's have Brian Turner on. I was like, yep. Yeah. So so not not to give away too much, but there's basically three different movies in this movie. First, so, so this movie in many ways is a love story between a man and a deaf woman. I guess a hearing uh, able man and a deaf woman. And it's called... How do you sign I love you? And it's actually really good. My wife and I really thought it was actually a well-developed romance. And then there's um, the Prentice Coin Conspiracy, which is like a crime drama with this whole like MacGuffin. MacGuffin and like evil cops and stuff. And then lastly is Headline Attempted Murder, <laughs> which has the worst serial killer I've ever seen on film. <laughs> it did kind of turn into a slasher film, the last act. Yeah, and the, it, the and I guess we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, sorry I, to give away I, that. I, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. When I so upon a second viewing, this movie is very tedious mm -hmm. because like the stakes are so low. They're trying to steal a priceless coin to retire. Yeah. And like, that's it. So but when I watched it the first time, I was like so invested and it kept showing more and more mm -hmm. locations. And it was so fun to watch. And I wasn't angry with the movie. No. Which I also realized, so um, Marley Blantlin, uh, who's a star of this, is the Oscar winner um, for Children of a Lesser God, and she is hearing impaired. Um, this is the second movie so yeah. far that stars the lead character is uh, deaf or hearing impaired. Not to mention Mr. Holland's opus, whose whole B-plot or whatever You're is right. the deaf son, son learning to enjoy music. Huh. So Portland is like the deaf mecca for movies like I can't imagine there's another city that has had especially two starring roles yeah uh, for with a for a hearing impaired person which is pretty cool so that is that is one other redeeming thing I think besides the Portland scenery what stood out to me the first and only time that I watched it <laughs> lucky this is the most 90s movie I think ever made yeah are you talking about that pepsi can because that was where I was. <laughs> that was pretty great i'll just be in my surveillance car <laughs> drinking this pepsi 
Uh, Good Pepsi sound effect, Todd. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of sound effects, so there's uh, at the end when it turns into a slasher film, and we will try to be a little bit more linear, but um, there she's hiding in, in like a locker or like in a kitchen cabinet, like in Jurassic Park. And I swear, the uh, as the killer is looking through different cabinets and different lockers, I swear it's the same locker opening sound effect from Alien Isolation, the video <laughs> game. Because oh. I hid in so many lockers <laughs> in that stupid game that, like, I had a, a Pavlovian response to that exact, like, locker open and shut. I was like, oh, my gosh, I bet you anything it's from the same sound library. It probably is. <laughs> well, if we, if we do want to be more linear, because we we cannot, for the love of everything, not talk about that very first scene. Okay, that absolute that very first. Scene. Okay, so why don't you why don't you walk us into this movie, Brian? Okay, so if I'm recalling it correctly, and because we had to pause after this happened and like recover, but um, there's this young man in a in a flannel '90s shirt riding on a white horse who has escaped from the tryouts well, we, from uh, oh from being Zach Morris. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got that hair and everything. He's riding this horse. He's got a thing of flowers, and he rides up, and it's very like romance scene. And he rides up to this woman who's sitting down reading a book, and he gets off the horse and walks to her, holding these flowers, and she goes, "Oh no, I'm sorry, I can't." And he shoots her <laughs> with there a was, shotgun. It, no, but the gun was like in the bouquet, so you don't know he has <laughs> That's a true, gun. He can't have and, a shotgun. And so it's like you're like, oh, it's a sweet little, oh my god. Yeah. And and I, my first thought was, is that his girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> it's just we just watched the end of another movie that ended with a bad breakup and then this one starts right and it comes out of nowhere and it's it's pretty bloody there's yeah. a lot of like squibs going on until he pulled that trigger i was certain that that was going to be a dream sequence yeah because it, it, look like it. it was so it looked ridiculous yeah it was in a stand-in for the, uh, some museum um a, a, a place at lewis and clark college but yeah, then he goes into the the building to steal this coin because that's like the Bane MacGuffin of the movie is there's this this coin that everyone's trying to get and and you know he just shot this woman to death in the middle of everything and he's a blowtorch. He's, he's quite quite the cat burglar. Right, but then he's, he's got this blowtorch and he's trying to like melt the case and I'm like, dude, you just shot off like six rounds, just, <laughs> just smash, smash it the and glass. run. Yeah. So it was clearly daytime when he shot the girl. It, like, is he trying to rob, steal the coin in the middle of the day? It was in the middle of the day and she was leisurely reading outside. And it wasn't like it's supposed to be this big, huge museum, I guess, but it's just like any other building you'd lodge that you'd see at like any other big park or like, yeah, this was at Lewis and Clark College. So it's just one of their, it's a neat looking building, but it's not at the end. They say, is uh, that an actual museum? The name of a museum? No, uh, I looked that up, but it's just one of the, I don't know if it's the administration building or or something like that. Um, But they call at the end of the movie, this coin, the single most valuable coin in existence. Do you want to know? And they the... keep it under like this cake dome yeah. in Clackamas. So I actually looked up also what the most valuable coin is in existence. <laughs> oh, this is good. So um, this is according to Cointrackers.com. Just so you know, so I, I hope it's the Donald Trump silver. No, dollar it's it's a 1913 <laughs> Liberty Head V nickel, huh. and they said that on average it's worth three million four hundred twenty-eight thousand nine hundred fifty dollars. Hmm. But one certified as mint could be sold as much as four and a half million dollars. I would think it would be in like an ancient coin. Like this one is supposedly well, but. But I think it's that like the reason it's well one well, that kind of stuff never goes up for sale because yeah, that's like that's, a, true. that's that's not something you it belongs in the museum exactly yeah <laughs> and so uh, but again this is just this if you if I'm incorrect blame the fine people at Cointrackers.com <laughs> <laughs> where we get all of our Portland at the movies info <laughs> for coins <laughs> so Marley Matlin is the star of this and and all. Uh, John C McGinley is a journalist is that what he does. 
And Marley Matlin is a personal trainer. Trainer John C. McGinley is one of her clients. Um, and somehow John C. McGinley meets Saved by the Bell kid in an alley and gets this coin from him. Does John at this point does John C. McGinley who Every time I noted him, I had to write out his stupid full name in my notes. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. His name is Mickey O'Malley. And as soon as I saw that, I thought of Mike O'Malley from Guts from Nickelodeon. Yes. And so every time after that, I was I just heard Guts. guts. In my... <laughs> I, oh, I was waiting for him to start talking to Mo off screen. Oh, yeah, we're going off the aggro crag. Oh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing a, a generational yep. gap. Yep, there you gap go, man. Knowledge. No, but so the thing was, Mickey was invest. It's weird. He seemed like he, he was really poor. But he also seemed like he actually he had a borrowing DB Sweeney's truck and money and money. So uh, the plot, I guess, he wanted the coin a to write a story about to get famous and win a Pulitzer, and then b yeah. and then b oh. profit. Well, well, I think what it was is it was it was so okay. So uh, Martin Sheen's in it, and he plays a guy named Lieutenant Brock. Brock? Yes, yeah. Lieutenant Brock, who's like the most corrupt policeman in Portland, and he wants the coin. He he like coerce this guy to murder this poor woman and steal this coin in broad deadlight and which why bad does plan. martin sheen want it money that's that's it yeah I, so i, I was confused whether martin sheen was in on the whole thing from the beginning it seemed that way because it because when they were talking to to i, I wrote down names tw was our save of the bell reject <laughs> nice. was talking to mike o'malley i feel personally offended by having those exact same initials yes yeah, so, am i supposed to know any of these so wait oh my gosh you are <laughs> you murdered <laughs> them me all along yes that's a, such a Scooby-Doo. There is such a Scooby-Doo line in here where they're trying to unravel the mystery of oh, yeah. D.B. Sweeney and Marley Matlin. And they call this. Uh, they call Martin Sheen's house, who's ultra rich because he lives in this. Well, but he, anyway, yeah. and they go, ah, uh, hello, my name is so-and-so. Will you be at the gala tomorrow? And the wife is like, no, we're going to be at the, wherever, at the opera. At the opera. Yes. And I was like, what is going on? But anyway, so so Lieutenant Brock wants this coin, and I think that Mike O'Malley. I'm don't use character. O'Malley. Don't use character I, names. Uh, Just uh, use the John actor C. names. John C. McGinley. Fine. John C. McGinley is like, hey, I wrote articles about Martin Sheen, and this guy who I don't know his name then is like, cool. I'm gonna drive my RC car in this alley <laughs> post murder. Seriously, he murders this woman, and he meets John C. McGinley. <laughs> He's just driving an RC car, and like, hey man, you want to drive? You want to drive it? Totally. myself. Yeah, exactly. And then he gives him the coin. Like as a like, I gotta go, but keep this and take down Martin Sheen. Yeah, that alleyway is probably somewhere in the in the um, little industrial district on the east side that's now no longer super industrial. So I couldn't find it on the map, but I'm assuming it was over there because it was a bunch of loading docks and stuff like that. Probably now in front of Olympia Provisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this, I mean, we talk. We're talking about locations. I've so far I've added to our map at Portland at the movies dot com slash map almost 20 locations from this and it goes from downtown to hood river to mount hood to the east side to the west side to the west hills to all these amazing houses and then they get inside these locations and they're like there's a shot that has like beautiful rhododendron blooms and like they use make really really good use of their locations and like everything about about the area around us now, with that many locations in this film, can you believe that they didn't show up at Oaks Bottom once? I did. They got close, though, with the houseboats, which uh, which she lives in the same one Madonna lives in, uh, in Body of Evidence. That's the other thing I looked up. Um, so in 1993, I'm like, wow, this is, a, this is a great year for Portland movies. And then I looked at the list. So uh, not a complete list of 1993 movies that feature Portland. Uh, something called Fade to Black. Even the 
Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, Free Willy, The Temp, Body of Evidence, uh, Hear No Evil, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, um, something called Moment of Truth. When was Free Willy? 1993. Yeah. So between that, Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, Body of Evidence, and Hear No Evil, um, and some a uh, couple other smaller wow. ones. Wow. At that time, that was, Portland was going to be like the new Hollywood. Well, yeah. We were coming hot up the heels of Dr. Giggles. <laughs> so it was a hot spot for... For it. But they do. There is a huge credit at the end that does uh, that does thank David Wilson, who was the manager of Oregon Film and Video at the time. And it was like I almost just stood up and applauded. <laughs> it was so. It was like it, it was so great to finally like see a movie set here and like be made here. Give that man a raise. Give that man a raise. Who is no longer here? Um, what else happened? This this movie also featured. One of the best shots of the Hawthorne Bridge uh, oh, with Johnson. John C. McGinley well, somehow so, gets wrapped up in this coin thing. Well, no, because remember, um, John C. McGinley was given the coin by the murderer. I'm, by I say by, by the murderous bell. Zach Morris, yes. <laughs> and and so he, as as is your want to do, you got to hide a coin. What do you do? You hide it at your personal trainer's house in yeah. her pager. Well, he was surprised because he was looking. That's when he was looking at the window and he's like. I might as well just buy myself a Pulitzer. Yeah, he went evil real fast. And then Martin Sheen shows up and kicks down the door because uh, this movie, just like in Defula, when her phone rings and when somebody rings the doorbell, it flashes the lights on and off so that the hearing uh, impaired person can hear it. Um, so that starts happening. And so that's when he kind of freaks out and shoves the coin in the back of Marley Matlin's pager, mm-hmm. which wouldn't A, that's then. assuming you know what a pager is. Yeah. So true. a pager is something drug dealers <laughs> used to use. And, and drug dealers and are hearing impaired. Yeah. And the doctors. <laughs> so yeah, she has uh, a pager set to vibrate so that uh, people can... Uh, give her a call and then sh- they didn't sh- I wish they showed more of the TT I was T-T-Y-L, obsessed with that little machine she had that was like for talking on the phone yeah. I really wanted to know more about that even though it had nothing to do with the story I, know, I bet yeah. Todd's found one of the bins I, I found a, um, a stenography machine mm. which it uh, probably works on a similar principle with, with shortcut keys or right. whatever but but so anyway as, yeah. as Todd was saying so he hides the coin in her pager and John C. McGinley runs off and he talks to his friend D.B. Sweeney who, who we've seen before in the movie he, he loans his car to John C. McGinley, because he's... At this point, do D.B. Sweeney and Marley Matlin know each other? No, they don't okay, meet until so they're after unrelated. the events you are going to describe, and right. I don't want to ruin it by describing right, right, right. it for okay. you. But so he borrows his car, and he's like, I gotta go, D.B. Sweeney. I'll, 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 I'll see you later, you know? And then... And so he borrows his car, drives, has his great, great... Uh, through Portland, uh, it was a night shot through Portland featuring the reggae band that shows up way too much in a movie where, where is, it's supposed yeah. to be background music where's so. the reggae club in portland in 1993 <laughs> well based on the location it seemed uh, like on it was every near the corner ra- well it seemed like it was near the rail the union station based yeah. off of the shots but anyway so he drives out of there takes a nice little uh, driving tour through nighttime portland goes over the hawthorne bridge get a couple shots of his cool like a chevy uh, an old blazer all of a sudden explodes over the side of the bridge and all the way into the water in yeah. one shot you see the flaming wreckage was, go right into the river it was amazing it was unbelievable Mwah, we, yeah. we had one other explosion which is like total total or total reality like total reality yeah not, yeah, not total recall. yeah no, that'd be a different movie. Uh, and that one was pretty good but this one yeah the, i i was I didn't think anything was ever going to top that one from Total Reality. And it was so out of the blue. It yeah. It was so unexpected. It was unexpected. So that was so great. 
Uh, and then they go to his funeral, which is up at the Rose uh, at the Rose Garden, and they have boys to men singing at the funeral. Yeah, because <laughs> this would have come out right at the same time as like End of the Road was number one for like fifty weeks, and it sounded exactly like that. So there's two things about this funeral that I want to bring up. Okay. One is that um, did anyone else notice that DB Sweeney in the eulogy basically confessed to having John C. McGinley write all of his <laughs> yes, papers as a child? His yeah, way through yeah. School. so like his weird. eulogy was like. I knew he ever hit the line ever since we were throwing newspapers at houses, which I know is a newspaper delivery thing, but I just yeah. had this mental image of them just doing it <laughs> just randomly. Doing it for fun. Yeah. He's <laughs> um, like, he wrote all my papers and I paid him. And I'm like, I just imagine like their fourth grade teacher in the audience being like, you hey. son of a. <laughs> That's like a Simpsons joke. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then the other thing is this starts the arc of what I call um, Martin Sheen is a terrible villain because he's way too aggressive in like his coercion. He roughs everyone up. Right. It's and it's really blatant. Like there's a, a the scene following this, he's he's interrogating uh Marley Matlin just to be like, um, I know you have this coin and I'm looking for it. And he starts off really kind of casually. He's like, you know, did John C. McGinley leave anything with you? You know, maybe some sort of ancient coin that's worth a bunch of money you know people are really looking for this coin like maybe me and if you don't give me the coin i might kill you like i killed john c McKinley, you know so give me the god darn coin and the thing that was funny about that too is not only was that like way too on the nose there was a sign language translator right there translating who as i was yeah. with i looked at her on imdb it's her only role i was like oh, oh man, no. i'm hoping she's like some hidden portland gem but no, she's just some i mean do you th- think she did a great was... job lady if you're listening she did great oh yeah she was but, great. but it's like what now she's in on it you have to cut her in for the coin caper yeah. it's just it's a bad move <laughs> he's way too elastic with who he lets in on his plan exactly do you think that was filmed inside the, the police department it looked familiar and it looked interior enough that it didn't look like a set for sure i was wondering when i watched that scene when did police stations stop looking like that because that is the quintessential police like station. the bullpen from 50s movies yeah it's yeah. got like the the uh, wood paneling and half height and then glass it the reminds ceiling. me when they're all shot from above is a deep cut but it reminds me of that movie dogville <laughs> that dogville. Lars drawn a lars von trier film oh, i bet it was uplifting it's okay <laughs> and but instead of a set it was um they did it all like in a warehouse with it was uh it took place like on a cul-de-sac or whatever with oh, all of the buildings just painted on i know the what floor, you're talking about like, this experiment anyway oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but that's Wasn't, what that bullpen, uh, nicole kidman, nicole kidman was in, yeah, yeah. In that, yeah. Yeah, Bjork, after Bjork wouldn't work from him anymore because he was just a terrible tyrant. But yeah, anyway. so so Martin Sheen interviews her and, and tries to get her to tell him about this coin. She has no idea. At this point, she yeah. has literally no idea that she Marley has this Man. coin. Yeah. yeah. And so then, then we start the third movie, you know, headline, Attempted Murderer. Um, and so if someone else, I can. So that's when she and D.B. Sweeney this whole time reminds me of like a poor man's Paul Rudd. Like Should I? Took yes, absolutely. The charisma Paul Rudd. out of Paul Rudd. He is to Paul Rudd as uh, not Kristen Bell was to Kristen Bell in How Sarah Got Her Wings. <laughs> well, my wife would be remiss, though, if I didn't mention that he was in Fire in the Sky and did an excellent job in that movie. Also oh. from Portland, I think that close so, to the same year. Yeah, he was in a ton of stuff during the during the uh, 90s. Huh. Um, I what were we going to say before that, before we got distracted by D.B. Sweeney? I was just going to ask if I uh, should know who he is as an actor, but I think Brian just That's answered That's probably his that. biggest thing, yeah. I think. And I feel like, yeah, he's kind of like Balthazar Getty, where he showed up enough where you kind of recognize the name, and you're like, oh, yeah, Young Guns. It's totally yeah, poor as, man's as Paul Rudd. As Todd can tell by my eyebrow squint, I have no idea who he's talking about. <laughs> he was in Young Guns. 
still my eyebrows remain squinted. <laughs> he was I, the one that's not famous in Young Guns. Still, yeah, whatever. Anyway, he's is, he is still man. He's still filming stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's, he's doing all over some. The, like, I feel like he did couple, a couple uh, higher profile things in the in the late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't. Ooh. Certainly uh, not as charismatic as as he was uh, in Paul sw- Rudd Swamp Shark. But a couple times. <laughs> I feel like he probably does show up on a lot of sci-fi um, made-for-TV movies too. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of times. So Marley Matlin is deaf, and that plays into a lot of the a lot of the moments in the movie. But they treat her sometimes like she has no senses as all, at, at all. She's taking that one of the one of the places they do use is um, is uh, her apartment is kind of in the Goose Hollow area, and it's kind of this interesting interesting building with like this out. How would you describe that little area that kind of looks kind out of like a tower? Yeah, it's a turret. really a turret type thing out of the side, and so they they shoot a lot there. But she's taking a a bath in in a, in one of the scenes, and her her roommate is working out with headphones so on. I had a question: yeah, Is yeah. she her roommate? Because she talks about this kid Alex, who I think is like her son, a lot, and I couldn't tell if they were roommates so or if it was I just was... her friend who was hanging out a lot. Or... I had a feeling she was a roommate because she's taking a bath, and the roommate is working out with headphones phones on like in the house well but maybe she's like divorced but from the then marley matlin like three quarters of the way shows up at a park with all these deaf children singing happy birthday and she's like hugging this 12 year old boy that i'm like wait does she have a child well there was also because there's a well you can't uh, introduce i mean yeah. she's we've been following her for like days at this point and no child has ever shown up she doesn't look like she lives with the child but i thought she had this roommate but she mentioned this kid alex several times like she's talking about like oh this soccer and i gotta go pick up alex and stuff and i was like well when are we gonna meet this kid and then it's like i don't know maybe maybe it's just shared custody and we don't get to see the movie yeah, where like know. her husband is like <laughs> my wife keeps getting almost killed and then running a marathon the next day like nothing's happened in her life yeah. I, I would be remiss at this point if i did not mention uh the, the telephone that she had in her apartment uh that the clear telephone uh that would have the bright pink insides did you oh, I didn't pay attention to that I at didn't all see that my friend had one of those and it just took me right back to <laughs> 1993 like a prin- a princess phone you know it's it those the classic design where it's just the you know this oh, but big it's, but it's all clear but it's all clear and oh, you totally. see the insides totally they sold them at spencer's and <laughs> That was right before the big, the big iMac, uh, the blueberry <laughs> iMacs that everything had to be clear, but tinted either like yeah. pink or turquoise or, but, um, so, but they, yeah, they treated, they treated her not only like she was deaf, but like she would have no senses at all. Cause when she's in the bath, um, hooligans break in to look for the coin to be fair spider-man breaks in to look for the coin have you seen this mask it has like goggles on it (laughs) it looks like it looks like spider-man homecoming like proto costume (laughs) but so okay i i I get somebody could break in easily being quiet enough but then she attacks and strangle or the the intruder strangles the roommate they have a huge fight where they're like knocking over wardrobes and curio i'm like you're gonna hear like well, sound is vibrating air. It's going to vibrate that you can feel in the floor or like something's going yeah. on. I agree that that they they do. There's another scene earlier where like toast is burning and which, yeah, is, which is not that important, but either. it's but it's there. But it, but I do like how they throughout the movie, whenever they cut to her like perspective and point of view, they do cut out the audio, which is kind of neat. And during the attack, this this attack in the apartment is actually particularly eerie because like you'll see her friend being strangled and she's like, eh. And then yeah. he cuts to her and she's like, shaving my leg. I thought that Love razor was going to come back because like they show her pick up this like not even a safety razor. It's like the old double sided 
razor and she's like slowly like gonna shave her legs and I was like oh that's gonna come back as a weapon no it does not no. my favorite was when um, someone is uh, introduced to her and they're like and she's deaf so he just talks louder <laughs> no, I know she would hear times. which I did think well that's realistic because that's totally like what people do around the hearing of bears they just talk louder mm-hmm. um, but so this is after the attack um, to continue the friend manages to survive because um, she does um, Marley manages to get up and actually sees what happens and, and they run for it the attacker and this is where um db sweeney actually gets involved like because he he kind of shows up he talked to he apparently had talked to um marley matlin at some point they were at the funeral together and he was like trying to do db sweeney was trying to do something or other he was trying to detect what happened he interrupted and, martin sheen yelling yeah. at marley matlin but anyway so he ends up like kind of teaming up to like kind of help her out because obviously she doesn't want to go back to her apartment after the attack and this is where the start of that that first um how do i sign i love you movie starts really because they actually start to have this relationship or more appropriately how do i sign horny yeah well that that, <laughs> that, that, that does happen later but yeah that not in the scene to be fair it starts off very and platonic she asks if he can go again by yes. yeah. indicating but, with her finger if yeah. he has the stamina well i do i do want to point out though like after the scene like he does like you go to the hospital and we find out the friend survived and and she talks to to db sweeney and says like um, John C. McGinley had told her something about a coin and this is where like the coin gets mentioned and they're both thinking about maybe the coin is something that Martin Sheen's after but they don't know why because they don't she doesn't know that she has it but the, he goes she goes and stays at D.B. Sweeney's apartment and there's actually a very sweet little moment I think where they they, they bother to show he, he calls Marley Matlin's parents and lets them know that she's okay. Right. And there's this kind of helping. And, and that's where I think the strength of this movie lies is maybe it's just an element of the fact that they, they wanted to show him like learning how to do sign language. Yeah, because he, he's watching her. a videotape later where yeah. it's like basic signing. But they actually take some time to like develop their relationship. And so when they actually start to become romantic, you kind of believe it as opposed to a lot of movies where it's like, well, I guess we've been in the same room for 10 minutes. I yeah, love and you. I totally would have bought in had they had any more than zero chemistry together fair enough yeah <laughs> they were like two opposite ends of magnets bumping together and like every, every time ooh, i almost got a spit take uh every time they went to kiss all db sweeney did was like touch her face as if he was blind uh, yes and it was like that's not so. like it's not a holding your head or whatever it was just like it's almost like fingers on he the wanted face. to cover the rest of her face and i will only show your lips and then i'll kiss my, your lips through my hands it was so weird but i did they did make an effort to build that relationship and um another one of the shots uh speaking back going back to speak of location to directing uh db sweeney's apartment it, which looks like it's on the east side of the river and it like it overlooks it's a building that's on or an apartment that's in a warehouse looking building like on the corner and they do these nice like tracking shots of like the city skyline and the freeway that goes right into that apartment and it's really hmm. neat yeah there's a scene later we won't we won't get into because it it's just a scene where they're like interacting there's not anything particularly exciting but there's a sweet a scene they must have shot during memorial day weekend because it's they've got the what's it called the rose festival right? uh yeah yeah the, the good portlander i am so there's the rose festival going on and like the ships are there for fleet week and it's nighttime so everything's lit up and it's this really brilliant shot and you Hmm. can see like the uh, morrison bridge is there and all the boats are light up and i think even the spirit of portland goes by it's like you couldn't portland this up more and then i think he walks by with like an old bridgeport blue heron t-shirt you know where we've seen that shirt before that same shirt was in guns of the clackamas Oh, really? Made yeah. the same year. Uh, I know. So it was uh, <laughs> when uh, the... So the, yeah, the, and Fire in the Sky and all those other ones. That was a busy year. Yeah. 
Maybe they, maybe they, because they were all filming at once, Hear No Evil got here first and like took all the permits. <laughs> maybe. Because there's some, uh, there's park blocks we get. She gets abducted by the fake police right where I used to work. <laughs> Me and Mark uh, used to work at uh, a building on Flanders and, and like Sixth or something like that. Is this the first time Mount Tabor has shown up in a movie? Oh, us? that's right. That scene, well, we'll get to that because I like that scene, but we'll, we'll. I feel like we've seen that corner, that little part of mount Tabor before i guess I you could check your map i guess i can check my map yeah, <laughs> if guys... only someone had been recording locations and you guys go map. ahead there i'll go check our map well uh, another thing i really liked was um sort of the element it added to the plot when you have this dynamic with her and how she uses a telephone where she can pick up a telephone and she can dial with it and she can talk into the telephone but she has no way to know who she's talking to if anyone is on the other line yeah that was... which is used to good effect uh, at that mount Tabor. um right when scene she gets where the she's Chased, which she plays like a, a, a person a, a runner in this movie she runs a lot and she runs marathon, marathon yeah, yeah. or whatever she has the worst run i have ever seen it's like she doesn't put her hands are sort of in the air like flailing around kind of like a muppet which i thought well was come hilarious. on todd she's deaf <laughs> she's signing that she's running because if she's not there's no other excuse um but she's running away from this person and she gets to the phone booth and calls 911 and immediately saying, I'm deaf, help. And it's like, it's really, there's a lot of attention there. And then on the other end, you can hear that. They're like, 911 all is circuits, like, are, all busy. circuits yeah. are busy. Dial one for murder. Dial yeah, two. And then the guy right punches now. through. And then that's when the guy turns into Jason Voorhees. <laughs> well, no, no, punches she, no, no she did it. Because he was, he was pounding on it and she was like, oh no. And she grabs the phone oh, and she just right. smashes into the glass and he's like, oh crap. And and I'm like, like, how dangerous to have a phone booth made of like actual glass like that. Damn. But I'm on my map. I I don't have any other. No, I didn't Mount think Tabor. so. There's one down the street. Uh, Courier of Death used as uh, the, the director's house. house. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, we don't have any. No, Mount Tabor. A first Tabor. I couldn't figure out. Brian, did you recognize at the beginning scene? There's um, a scene in the park where she talks with her friend or whatever, and there's she's at the playground, and then it, there's a giant park at the beginning that I haven't quite been able hmm. to figure out. Um, I did post that on Facebook as well as the other location of the cool octagon house. That's like Martin Sheen's house. That was cool. Up in the air, which is in the Southwest. Uh, you found Southwest. that, right? I found that. I, ha- I had to use help from the internet for that one. And somebody said, I think it's somewhere over there. And I took it from there. But um, yeah, there's some just amazing location shots in this. So after after the roommate slash friend yeah well so yeah that gets choked to and death she's at db sweeney's apartment and then they go back to the well, but before that when um the police show up or whatever after the after the fight ensues they they're they're down on the street and they do this really weird shot of being loaded into an like a 1950s ambulance it was the ecto one and the, yeah it was it was totally and they shut the door and back and then they continue to pan and it says community ambulance and i was like they're abducting her clearly this is a <laughs> fake ambulance yeah it was so weird and like so lovingly shot to like mm. pull in on that community i thought they were going to take her to like community whatever and like hold community her hostage hospital. Or community or like public hospital yeah <laughs> it kept because it's set 
everything up in this movie. It, like at the end when she fights off the guy with the wind oh, yeah. kite board, they set up her learning. Like So I, they, they, they set up multiple things that I made a list. But then they <laughs> don't set up the razor no, or they don't. this community well, ambulance. Like, so or, they had the, the pager beeping and she can't hear it happen multiple times. Rock climbing played multiple roles. Silverware in a garbage disposal. Which is another thing alarm. she didn't feel. There's like 400 forks <laughs> in the garbage disposal and like that would rattle anyone's like floor apart. I, I, thought, they, I thought they were going to throw the coin in the garbage disposal oh, at some yeah. point. Okay, so um, what else was set up, Brian? Oh, and then just the windsurfing thing—that was the only other thing I could. Oh. Yeah, like there we, six we things, wouldn't yeah. believe the, if the movie told us that she didn't know how to push. Yeah. Well, no, but because he just anyway. Uh, <laughs> but so I I, I want to talk about this yeah, one yeah. thing really quickly, and then I have a, a important confession to make. So okay. okay, so one is that after they have the scene, DB Sweeney and Marley Matlin, they're they're talking about. Um, what do we do? Um, you know, um, Martin Sheen's corrupt and, and he's a danger. And so Marley Matlin says, let's go over his head. And they go back to the police station and they talk to, I put police chief kindly librarian. It's this lady wearing like a flower print there dress. There were so many kindly old ladies in this movie. Yeah, but she but she was talking like she was the chief of police for Portland, Oregon. And I swear that she looked like the librarian at my elementary school when I was a kid. <laughs> Maybe it was. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like she couldn't be the chief of police. It just, it seemed like she was too... She had this air of like just someone's kindly aunt. Like between that lady, uh, DB Sweeney's mom, who lives on Madonna's houseboat, and the old lady that tends to Timberline, Timberline Lodge. Lodge. This movie is just like dripping with kindly old women. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. So they so they talk to her and she says, "There's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. Whatever." And so they leave and they start talking. I forget what they're talking about because this is the moment I had a revelation. Right. Uh-oh. I came to the conclusion that the coin wasn't magical. <laughs> now, there's a good reason I thought the the coin was magic. Okay. okay. Uh, this is when we're getting into those uh, movie theories that you would see posted on Reddit. No, no, it's not even that. It's it's. Uh, so I asked Brian what movie we were going to watch, and he said... Um, he said, hear no evil. And so I said, okay. And I, I kind of pushed it out of my mind. And then I went home. Sad and, that it wasn't the gene, the, um, hear no evil, see no evil. Richard yeah, Pryor. Yeah. No, yeah. And so, so I was thinking about it in the back of my head and I was, and I was up one night and I was tired and I was about to go to bed and I'm like, well, I'll take a look at what IMDB says about this movie. And so I just searched for hear no evil and there's a hear no evil from 2014. And here's what IMDB describes it as. It says a deaf high school student and her hearing has her hearing restored suddenly. What? And her family finds out that she can hear more than just people. People. That's the description in IMDb. That sounds it, awesome. So I hear dead people. So it's, it actually turns out it's like a religious movie, and she's hearing God or something. But <laughs> but so I thought that was the plot of the movie, and That's so the whole amazing. movie, I'm waiting for Marley Matlin to get her hearing back and start having psychic powers. And there's that scene where John C. McGinley's like, "Ah, this coin is my precious," and I'm like, "Ah, the magic is affecting him." And I swear, <laughs> like the first That's how he thinks he'll get a Pulitzer yeah, because the, <laughs> the first forty minutes, I was convinced that this coin was magical and was going to affect wow. Marley Matlin. And then at this point, I'm like, I must have read something wrong. And that I and I is... paused the movie and I looked it up and I'm like, yep, that's the wrong Because year. nothing even remotely magical no, exactly. happens in this movie. Yeah, no, and so that was the point where I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, honey, I don't think that coin's magical. I think we've been duped. <laughs> well, I didn't, yeah, so, um, but yeah. That so, is so, hilarious. So watch this movie and watch the first 40 minutes assuming the coin is magic. How Marley got her wings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Oh man, I did like. So where are we in the plot? So the um, they uh, we're actually good, we're, are we going through the plot? I think yeah, we so. are. <laughs> so, I, I kind of feel good about it. We're going oh, down okay. Nice so run. yeah, so they they there's more of like meet cute stuff. Where, well, not meet cute. DB Sweeney's learning sign language, and she sets off the smoke detector and can't smell burnt toast for some reason, and yeah. blah blah blah. <laughs> and so she goes back to her apartment and um. Uh, Martin Sheen and his thugs, one of which has a brilliant mullet, by the way. He uh, looks like he's a thug from Die Hard. Yes, he not does. German. Yes, that guy. Um, they wrecked up her apartment looking for it, and my first thought was that one of there's many things. Things are trashed and thrown around, but her goldfish tank is tipped over, and the goldfish are dead. And I'm like, was that really necessary? Couldn't you feel it? I felt like the, these are. I people... thought that's where he's gonna hide the, hide the coin. When yes, he... I thought we we're yeah. gonna have a fish called Wanda right there. Yeah. So these are people who who are at this point we we were like. They're murderers. And I think that them killing these goldfish necessarily is the worst thing they've done. Because I'm like, that was really like, well, Dave, we did look for the coin, but we can also now kill let's them take fish. take the time to fish the, kill these, these fish, fish out of here and throw them on the floor. That'll show them. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, those poor fish. Did they did they put the uh, no animals were harmed uh, message? Oh, I did not this? see that oh, at the end. Oh, we got you here, no evil. It's very un-Portland-like of this movie. Well, I don't know. We, we don't know for sure. Um, uh, allegedly, <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> Uh, lip reading also takes uh, um, starts to become a theme in this movie because they yeah. escape. Um, they can't stay at DB Sweeney's anymore, I guess. So they go to DB Sweeney's mom, who lives on the houseboat, the ones by Oak, Oaks Park. Well, so that's after they, they the the daring robbery. Like remember, so they, they they need evidence to prove that Martin Sheen is as corrupt as he is, despite right. the fact he multiple times has threatened to kill people <laughs> in public. Um, and so they decide to break into his super sweet house. Yeah. Um, Which is the the cool and it I I I don't know if you guys saw the picture I posted on Facebook when I was trying to locate it but so this house is amazing and has like an office kind of like that uh, the skyscraper in Chicago how they have like the glass floor that's built out the side of the building it kind of had that going on just over a complete view of Portland and it's um it's scary. So I went to find it. You can find it on the Portland the movies map. But right down the hill from it is a house that's like twelve times the size and like has six garages and is like the most amazing house you've ever seen in yeah, your that, life. That's up on the hills up by kind of like Forest Park and stuff. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but so they, they this this house is unique also because it's on like a long kind of. I, I don't know the word like pillar. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's like a water tower. It's yeah, like it kind of is. It's, it's built like a, on the side it's like of the a hill. chic water there's tower. There's the house. Uh, so Holy. there's that house. Wow, that is an. Imp- uh, How did they manage to film that house without shooting that? Maybe it wasn't built. It, then, it, but, yeah. That wow. looks pretty new, but that is crazy. But anyway, so they they decide they have to break into his house, and that's when they do the Scooby Doo thing you talked about, where they called in and are like, "We're are from you- plot devices. Uh, are you going to be there on Thursday?" You know, we're from Ham Fisted Exposition yeah. Inc. <laughs> Monthly. Um, but yeah, so they they decide. They they're gonna break in, and so DB Sweeney is gonna use his sweet rock climbing skills to 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 climb repel, up and well, not, repel, yeah, anti repel up into it. Climb, and and Marley Matlin's gonna be a lookout, which no no criticism, but it, it she can't hear a car coming, right. but she and at one point she does miss that that Martin Sheen shows up. Um, but she does spot the other thugs when they show up. So she and she does alert him. So it's not like she's an ineffective right. lookout, but it that occurred to me. Right. Um, and so. 
um, they, he breaks in and he's looking for this tape because Marley Matlin in an earlier scene at the, the police station, again, Martin Sheen's terrible at this. Yeah. They're just watching incriminating footage. They're like, oh, remember this? This is when we filmed that guy we murdered who murdered that woman at the coin suppository, not suppository, repository. And so if you had a super secret stash of VHS tapes from your police job that you don't want anyone to find, what would you do with these dozens and dozens of tapes that you've collected that could be used as evidence against you? Keep them in your house in a fake book VHS case right next to all of your other VHS tapes also there was like a 90% chance that was pornography like <laughs> like speaking of weird tapes you find at the Goodwill outlet right bins. exactly like there's there's two bo- there's if he'd picked the one to the right that's his adult movies the one to the left is his incriminating evidence thankfully he picked the right one <laughs> so yeah DB Sweetie steals uh, that VHS tape um, that um, Marley Matlin is able to lip read what he's saying when they watch it at D.B. Sweeney's mom's yeah. houseboat. Yeah, and as they're fleeing from the house, that's where that sequence we were talking about earlier at uh, Mount Tabor where she's in the phone booth and, and fends off the thug and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they go to the FBI at this point. It's the FBI or the CIA? It's it the, the FBI. FBI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's CIA not, like international. We're not international. No. <laughs> international coin. <laughs> this <favorite>. coin <laughs> that apparently has alerted the, the FBI. Yes. Um, so if you're going to do a super secret sting operation to try and bring down the the incredibly naively corrupt Martin Sheen, you're going to do it in the middle of a marathon. Right. Which I wonder, do you think, because this movie had a ton of extras. I mean, they were a ton of people running. It seemed like every background. It was just background. an actual marathon. I, mean, it, it, I wondered if there was an actual. Ma- it looked like an actual Because marathon. they had the signage and all that. Well, remember, they like like I said earlier, they were obviously shooting it, at least part of it, during Memorial Day weekend. So maybe there's a marathon around then or or something. Like, cause there's because n- this is very. And I, I, I like this. I wish this was an industry term, but I found out it's just a red letter media term of shoot the rodeo, which is if there's something happening and you're a low budget film, you go shoot that big thing because extras are there. The production value is yeah. just there for the taking. So I was like, I wonder if they just filmed this marathon because there were so many people, but you can't, yeah, you what can't did, have what runners the, sign. What did they call the race in the movie? It was like the something classic. Was there was it, an uh, eight. I remember there was a, all the signs KPTV about it. said a big eight. I if they have, so. have, uh, film but the they, KTP uh, t- the, the, the KPTV actually played an important role they did they were heroes in this movie yes because so what happens is Marley Matlin's running and she's attacked by some of um, Martin Sheen's thugs and the FBI is like surprise we were disguised as marathon runners the whole time and tackle him <laughs> that's happened right in front of where I used to work right <laughs> And then D.B. Sweeney is having a conversation with Martin Sheen. He's like, so about Mike O'Malley, did you, you totally killed him, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know, but I'm looking for a coin. And if you don't have it, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and the KPTV people are filming this. And Marley Matlin's in a van uh, watching it and translating what they're saying via lip reading. Yeah. And so. And I watched what she was typing and she was not keeping up. No, <laughs> what they were saying at all. It was so tangential to what they were looking for, which is funny. The marathon was uh, sponsored by uh, uh, Henry's uh, Henry Weinhardt. They had a lot of Henry Weinhardt signage. Yeah, that's for yep. sure. That's two Portland breweries in this for those keeping track. Oh, that's right. Only one of them got thanks though, and that was the only um, one of them still in business, unfortunately. Weird. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, Bridgeport. Um, so yeah, shoot. I I wonder if that was a little uh, shoot the rodeo, which is a, a term that I do like that I know I guess is not a not an official term, but um. There's also when she get she gets kidnapped um, at the at the race they show 
the undercover cops or whoever that pull out their guns and there's like a Quentin Tarantino-esque shot of this guy <laughs> lifting up his shirt and like taking out his gun from like a close-up of his stomach which just felt so unnecessary it was the spring classic i just found the sign oh nice yeah i so i wonder if that's a real thing and so the, the sign says spring classic kxl 750 a.m oh kxl is that a real station yeah, yeah. oh yeah huh <laughs> this week in am radio Ever since Rick Emerson went off the air, I don't listen to AM radio anymore. So, but so at this point, for all intents and purposes, the movie's over, right? Like, um, the bad guys have yeah, been caught. They're that's arrested. That's what I was feeling. I was you know, like, all right. Yeah. The, to be fair, at this point, they still haven't found that coin in the pager. It's still in the pager. Right, but mystery solved or whatever. You know, the big all they she got has the to bad do. Guy. All she has to do is open it as Martin Sheen is being stuffed into a police car and have it fall out, and then that's how they fund right. their and they retirement. They kind of look at each other. Right. And yeah. like, but Ooh. that's but that is not what happens. No, what happens? They go to Timberline Lodge and do not find Jack Nicholson in a hedge maze. <laughs> no, Wait, we got to talk about how they get to Timberline Lodge. How do they? I, I honestly don't remember how do they get. To Timberline I believe Lodge. they biked there from Hood River. Well, I meant no. Like, that's a different part. <laughs> oh. I meant like how did they get the idea to go there? Because that was a now pretty good I forget. scene. Well, they were in bed. Oh, that's right. That's and right. And they right. were yeah. they were talking that's, about it, having a little getaway. That's when he uh, he asked, "How do you sign breasts and horny?" Yes, <laughs> were the two words that <laughs> this is he my wanted. my takeaway from this movie. I, I now know the sign for breast and horny. And I don't know if you can trust orgasm. it. <laughs> like I looked up the sign for asshole because they do that several times in the movie, <laughs> and it's not the same sign they do. Maybe the internet lied to me. I don't know. But it could be. I don't know. Well, and I mean, we got to focus. I keep aiming away from the mic. I think. Oh, that's okay. Just but I'm loud, it, so it probably works. Yeah, you could just pull it a little, a little closer. Here's the sign for speaking into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pointing at me with the middle finger. Anyway, <laughs> but the same with um, uh, what was I going to say? There was a. Similar thing with oh, a similar thing with Defula, where it's everything is so contextual that, and I think I told this. I forget if I told this story when we did Defula because that was the the live episode. But um, my church has deaf interpreters for their services that I I had to stop going to that service because I would just get so engaged in the translation <laughs> of like what the pastor was saying. Like not only some of these old terms that they'd have to spell, they'd have to like spell out Nebuchadnezzar or whatever. It'd be like, oh, come on, but just like how contextual and like how their facial mode. And that's why the police interpreter lady who did a great job too has to convey the meaning of what they're saying more so than the specific words, which is always interesting to look at, but they do make it to, to Timberline Lodge, which has great windsurfing. You they mean say, what Portello Lodge, Portello yeah. Lodge, which they went, they even put that on the side of the taxi, the old timey taxi cab they took they, there. Okay, they, they were driving the car that Fozzie Bear drove in <laughs> in uh, Muppet, the Muppet movie. And that's also the second time I thought of Muppets while watching this movie. Because that razor you mentioned is the same one that Kermit shaves with in Muppets, um, Muppet, the Great Muppet Caper. I watched too much Muppets. Uh, that is totally that car, though. But they went through the bother of like saying Portello Lodge. And I was like, is this a real lodge? Is this. But that was so weird. But it was a Timberline. Like, there's some really neat shots inside the Timberline mm-hmm. Lodge. Yeah, no, they like, filmed from the rafters. It, yeah. it was very, it was very cool. It is, and they and they went at, at a cool time of year. I mean, obviously, it's not when the snow is there for skiing and stuff. But it, it it's a really beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the third, the final twenty minutes of this movie, which felt like it was supposed to be over, mm-hmm. takes place. So they. 
So they go up and they they have some romantic stuff and there's a the windsurfing where they're where he's trying to teach her to windsurf and he gets smacked in the face, yeah, yeah. foreshadowing or Chekhov's windsurfing. I don't know whatever yeah. you call it. Um, and then at some point he's Chekhov's like windsurfing. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> At some point, he wants to go get ice cream, and he's like, "I'm gonna go get ice cream in Hood River." Which, by the way, four hour Wait, bike what ride. Kind of ice cream? Oh, uh, well, he had chocolate and sh- orange sherbet earlier. That's another <laughs> That's callback. What she gets. Oh, I didn't think of another four. <laughs> chocolate and orange sherbet together yeah, yeah, yeah. is her like her favorite ice cream. Well, no, no, she never had it or something. I don't know. I watched that part earlier, but um, and so he goes four hour bike ride to, <laughs> to Hood River. And then as she's like wandering around, he fi- she finds the like f- the kindly housekeeper dead yeah. and that Spider-Man guy from earlier shows up and spoiler, it's John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley's back. Yeah, he didn't die. He he blew up his friend's car in a very sweet fashion to so fake his death. This is where things sort of untangle for me because I don't know why he came back or how he survived the car what well, what it. happened he must have faked he it. faked it yeah, yeah. so martin sheen did not blow up his car no but it was weird because i could have sworn in the movie he was like oh yeah i killed him like but maybe he just wanted to make himself is seem... he working with martin no, sheen no, or that's... he just decided on his own john c mcginley to go after this coin as well right because he's like i got the sweet million bucks i don't have to be a journalist anymore and um and at that point again i thought it was magical and it was influencing him <laughs> to make him evil so but yeah and so then the rest of the the movie is mostly a horror sequence where john c mcginley is chasing marley matlin through the timberline lodge and she's using it's weird she kind of uses being deaf as a superpower at this yeah. point because um he she does things like sets off the smoke alarm and, and throws the silverware in the garbage disposal and tries to do all this stuff to like distract him and turn on the speakers really loud oh yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. did that too now this is that's I another mean, foreshadowing thing we did yeah. we we talked about how we thought this movie was well directed except i wrote down on my second viewing of this part i mean the lodge looks great the setting is amazing but it just everything about this last little section fell flat and i don't know why it didn't work I think it's like just, I just found it to be not at all compelling. I think it's just because this character is just kind of we met him for like 10 minutes, really. And he didn't seem that bad. And then now he's like Jason Voorhees. Yeah. All of a sudden. And we did that thing where like she would show up in a room and like he had clearly been hiding there for like however long to just so he can pop out and right. scare her. But it also doesn't make sense because like earlier in the movie, he should have just like shown up and said, hi, I'm back. I faked my death. I hid the coin in your pager. Can I have it and leave now yeah. rather than dressing up like like cosplay Spider-Man to go and strangle his friend or friend? Yeah. And then going up the mountain to do this, too. And it, it, it just felt really like forced that he was suddenly like this, this like dangerous killer as yeah. opposed to. Well, for me, uh, surfboards and kites and paddles don't really make for effective. Uh, That's what I wrote down. It's like, scenery. is this too colorful and too well lit? Yeah, it just didn't add to that uh, sort of horror atmosphere. Because, yeah, it should have been like some sort of cabin or even the fireplace implement or like any of the old times. But you're right. It was really bright and modern. Yeah. And while this is the opening of saved by the bell, speaking of saved by the bell, (laughs) while this is happening to DB Sweeney, like paged her and didn't get a response. And so he's worried something's up and he's trying to get back to the lodge. Um, And at some point he likes borrows some guy's cell phone. And that's weird because he's biking back and all of a sudden there's like a car wreck. Yeah. That has, sprayed kite boards all over the highway that is my favorite scene because what was that all about he's riding his bike back and then he like a mile away sees that there are 
surfboards and kites just scattered across like the, the highway. highway. Shut down. Yeah, and he rides just not even <laughs> slowing down, just right into them, and then just flips <laughs> over his handlebars as, and then he gets mad. He picks up his bike and like throws it at that point. <laughs> that was pretty dumb. I didn't understand the point of that though. Like, what? Why was that in the mo- just so he can stop and use the guy's Zach Morris cell phone? This is all saved by the bill. I think the reason why was because. He actually doesn't manage to go back and save her. She saves herself, and I think if she, I, I think so. They he's made, biking up Mount Hood, and he has to step over something. Well, no, I think they kind of wanted to have him. their cake and eat it too, if that makes sense. Like they wanted to have him be heroic in that he's trying to get back to help her, but at the same time, they wanted her to be strong and independent, and so she didn't. They didn't want her him to come to her rescue. Yeah, and maybe. so it's this kind of weird mix, and so he basically has to be in, not incompetent, but like taken oddly, out of yeah, the equation. Yeah, like awkwardly beleaguered in his return. Yeah, because it was so random, and we didn't stay there. He just borrowed a guy's phone to call. Yeah, and he complained that it cost, like, what, 25 cents a minute? 40 cents a minute. Yeah. 40 cents a minute, pal, is what he said. (laughs) One thing that I did think was effective during this whole sequence was um, as she's being pursued, she, being deaf, doesn't know if what... She's trying to be quiet because she knows that making noise will draw attention, but she doesn't know if everything she does is quiet or not. So she'll do something and just kind of be like, oh, shit, did that make a noise or not? Yeah, and then that's used at the end too, where her pager was accidentally switched from vibrate to, um, to beeping, and she didn't know it was beeping, which I thought was kind of cool. Well, she did figure it out and then use it as like bait for him. So yeah, somewhere else. I think she did good. I mean, I think she was good in this movie too. But yeah, she. I mean. I mean, she wasn't like it wasn't like as, I haven't seen the one where she won the Oscar, for no, it, which I'll have to watch it at some point now. Yeah. But I, I think that everyone except for like, I think the people who didn't do great, like we know Martin Sheen's a good actor, but it's like, what did he have to do with this? He likes well, opera think, and be a bad villain. I, you know? <laughs> I think because the stakes are so low, it just everything feels and I think it's written as well like a Lifetime movie. I'm going to fix just... this movie for you Ooh. with Ooh. one casting change. Ooh. Replace, let's replace Martin Sheen with Willem Dafoe. Defoe. Who he was too busy actually being in Body of Evidence, which is filming at the same time. <laughs> Bang! Mm. Willem Defoe. Who was the, the guy you said earlier was like like oh get Paul Rudd? Well, Paul Rudd, what would he be Paul like twelve at this point? Yeah. Like, like I, was say, I think, I think maybe with a little more charisma. Um, but I do think because Martin Sheen is fine i guess he wasn't yeah. bad but he yeah he was not compelling he's a little hokey he's not intimidating he he's kind of like he's a good actor but he's not like physically think, imposing and no. i don't think the script was very good because a lot of the things i think that we point out along the way are just bad scripting like her son yeah, showing yeah, up yeah, like yeah. whatever and then if she does have this 12 year old son she just goes to mount hood well no no it's not her 12 year old son it's the, the 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 friend the roommate friend acquaintance 12 oh, year old son. son yeah it's not. It's not the. Oh. It's not Marley Matten's son. Oh, because when they show that children's birthday party and they're all signing happy birthday, the next shot. Yeah, they're is like having that hug. Marley but... Matlin sitting on the ground with this twelve-year-old boy, like leaning in her lap. Like I don't know how else to describe. It. No, she, it's, it's he's the boy is leaning back onto her in the grass like you would a mother and child no agreed but it's definitely not her kid like 100 (laughs) percent. it's so weird it is weird but yeah the the, the scripting was not good um but (laughs) sorry i'm watching john c mcginley fall into a wednesday on on brian's computer (laughs) well and that was a weird thing to have to say so at the very end um john c mcginley shows up 
Marley Matlin uses a wind sail. Is that what they call a, a I don't know. I was trying to think of windsurfboard. Kite surfing. Kite surfing. Which, again, shoot the rodeo. There was a lot of cool windsurfing in the background when they were at. Yeah, they when they to... were establishing that Marley Matlin would know how to push a sail into another person to make that person fall out of the window. Like, that would be too much of a stretch for us to believe that she could come up on her own. So we had to establish her learning how those things move but yeah it throws John C. McGinley out out of a window at Timberline into the greenhouse below and he's dead and he's dead uh, then they put the coin back in this rinky dink museum under a cake dome as or, they... or do they because I don't know if you remember this the very last shot they're, like they're giving the lectures like well this coin got returned through a series of weird circumstances let's go see <laughs> something else in this museum and um, D.B. Sweeney and Marley Matlin are there and D.B. Sweeney before everyone's even left the room pulls out a coin which may be the coin that is oh I didn't the, see him pull yeah, something he pulls out, out he didn't even check he pulls out a coin and, and it's probably the actual million dollar coin he's like ah I stole this coin and she's like shut up put it away <laughs> Okay, because they could not cut to... I don't know, my sound doesn't work. But it's weird because it's not really clear that's what's happening. It, it could be he just has a coin. He's like, maybe this coin someday will be worth like a million dollars. Like a little dollars. jokey thing. Right, but it's, it's... I honestly was like, did they just rob them twice? And if so, how did they get a fake coin that tricked the museum? And... So this is the very last scene of the movie, which they cannot cut to the credits fast <laughs> enough. They cut to credits mid-scene. They start rolling it. But yeah. here's, here's the very they last... They panicked when they went past 90 minutes. As a reward to whoever could show him a water route across Asia. She's describing the it coin. It is the single most valuable coin in existence today. Credits are rolling right now. And also the object of a daring recovery operation by our own Federal Bureau of Investigation following its theft from this very case Credits. three months ago. Credits start rolling right now. No, they, they, they've been rolling. Was never apprehended, well, we're, we're, the oh, yeah. They're a little bit ahead. You're a little bit ahead over there. And unscathed. And the oh, the Isaiah Acapella Band. There's Boysterman. Oh, nice. Anyway. Did you see it? See the, see the I what? talked right through it. Oh, oh no. I, shit, you're see, right. They haven't even right. left the room. He and, and he's like, ah, oh, I got this coin. Is that the... Yeah. Right. So is he a coin thief now? <laughs> it was setting up a... Um, That's really ambiguous. So he's looking at one. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and, then it, and then he touches her face again. Does he say anything? Hold on. Here, here you go. To prevent further burglary attempts. So he's kind of nudging her. If you'd like, we can go to the next room and take a look at the fry sculpture. Why don't we move this way? He looks at this coin that he pulls out. She's like, hey. Ha 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 ha. Let me touch your face. Let's kiss and I'll paw, paw your face for a while in this museum. He does. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's so, it's so gross. I don't like it. Do not want it. <laughs> So, yeah, that is a little bit. They say it's under $2 million worth of security, which I find questionable well, looking at the rest of this museum. Honestly, if the coin's worth a million dollars, why would you spend $2 million in security? <laughs> you should play $999,999. Uh, so yeah, for that money, they'll just, just buy a couple extra. The end. Well, anything else about this movie? Uh, there were so many locations. Did we there cover was. them all? No, I not even know. close. Let me not see. even close. Did he, did I'm going to open up my map here. Are there and, any um, that we should mention? We've got... Uh, um, I just want to point out the rock climbing gym, just because I really yeah, tickled me. Yeah, I haven't me. found that yet. So it's, it's just somewhere in like the southeast, somewhere between like like 12th or something like that. Um, but what's funny is it's it's not a rock climbing gym. It's just there's a bunch of buildings that all kind of look the same around there. And it's obviously just posted a big board that says like rock climbing gym. Yeah. And so it's I just found that really amusing. Yeah, I'll be able to find that one. That should be a map. But actually, Brian, if you go to portlandmovies.com slash map, 
Um, I do have a bunch of them posted already. There's a, some beauty. So this opening we talked about is a, a little over stylized, but it's like the coin tower and then the apartment buildings that are by Keller Auditorium. And then, but then they did this really long helicopter tracking shot of her um, jogging on the north waterfront and they pull back through the open Burnside Bridge. That was and cool. It was really cool. So they did that. They had, what else do we have here? There's some areas down by the, um, if you know where the Goodwill off of MLK is, kind of behind there, there's um, one shot that starts looking downtown and like walk down a street, which is pretty neat. Got the Goose Hollow stuff. A lot of stuff by the by Union Station is there. The explosion. Wow, Todd, the map has 1,500 views now. Mm. Oh, how did you find that? I don't know. It just told me when I went there. It just told you? Yeah. It says up at the top, locations of the movies made in around Portland. 1,500 views? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. That's almost as much as my Alyssa Milano workout team <laughs> on my YouTube show. <laughs> um, but yeah, then down to the waterfront. Um, there's a couple areas that I haven't found that I'll hopefully I can't figure out where um, that one park was and the building they used as... The door says Metro Police Station, and it doesn't look like a fake door, but it's one of the buildings that's not like the the main police building downtown that I can't. It's some brick building downtown that I'll have Todd, to go driving through the streets of. Todd, have you been asking for help? I noticed that you, you had asking about it on Facebook. Is it through the Portland of the Movies? Uh, I've done that. I've done a little bit on just my my thing, too. So perhaps I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post some of these other ones that I can't find on our Portland at the Movies Facebook page, and you can help me find those so I can get those on the map, too. But definitely, um, I should have about 20 locations from this movie on our map, and they're all they're all great. And this movie is at Movie Madness, correct? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit hard to find. This is like the movie that time forgot. And so um, is it not streaming anywhere? It's not streaming. You can rent it off of some streaming service I saw, but I don't find, remember which one it was. Let me look on JustWatch.com. But, but like, nobody is talking about this movie. I mean, And I think it's such a common title. Like, I feel like... There was at least that out. there was at least that 2014 movie I thought it was that has yeah. the same name. It's funny that that was also about a hearing impaled person, but I guess with that title, I, I would go so far as to call this a hidden Portland gym. And I had so much fun watching it. The so you can rent it on PlayStation for 2.99 <laughs> or buy it on PlayStation for 14.99. Wow, that's sad. Uh, but yeah, at at, <laughs> at movie matters you can find it. And like yeah. I had so much fun watching this the first time because they are just all over the place and they really stay in those places. Like it's not a fleeting shot and it's not. And so it was really fun. Just a whirlwind tour. It's a Portland movie through and through. Yeah, it yeah. really is. I, I feel mediocre. I feel, I feel lucky to have. <laughs> yes. Mediocre to the core. <laughs> I feel lucky to have uh, been involved in the two most Portland content fi- uh, footage content. movies, there you both go. Not filmed in Portland. <laughs> That's your thing. And the uh, one filmed in Portland. But yeah, I, I highly recommend if you, are interested in seeing the city displayed in film you should give it a watch um like i said my wife and i watched it and we really enjoyed it the first time i I agree with todd the second time i tried watching it it was much more of a slog it does it does get slow around the middle but if you're watching it with a couple of folks having a beer or two i definitely wasn't mad no but that that, i can't that opening if you don't want to see anything else though you have to watch that first minute i might i might cut that part out and either make a very long gif of it or at just post that part up on it because it really is and it's I'll play that music uh, as we go out. The the opening song is like the worst '90s, like rejected TV theme of all time. So um, I think that just about does it 
that was thank you for joining us brian oh, yeah. if people wanted to find out more about you what could they do uh nothing <laughs> <laughs> you could you could see me randomly around the city um, sometimes when the unifiper has a booth you help yeah, out yes uh, so at booths. I, I often explain to people when they ask who i am i say if you watch anything with the unipiper or see anything with the unipiper and there's some second schmuck around it's usually me so <laughs> i was ukulele batman and i was the snitch and i was that son in that total eclipse of the heart and i was sub-zero right. and yeah good so if you go to the unipiper uh uh on youtube, YouTube and look at those videos you are the always the second yes the second fiddle to the, the first i am pipes. i am the official other brian is my my position there you so. go there you go well brian the unipiper what can they do to find out more about you you are busy this summer anything coming up that we should know about yeah uh if you want to see me uh hopefully not fall and, and uh hurt myself i'll be throwing out the first pitch at the portland pickles oh wow uh, which you did you did last year as well i did last year yeah i remember yeah. seeing that picture and being actually because i've seen you ride around to do a lot of different things and different costumes on your unicycle i remember that one impressing me it was one of those things where i did it and it went off okay and then i was thinking to myself i that was great i never want to do it again <laughs> and kind of like doing it on the ice for yeah the, for the hockey game and, which is also pretty impressive and here we are one year later <laughs> so yes unipiper.com all that stuff um if you go to patreon.com slash portland at the movies you can support this very fine show and thank you so much to the people that do do that it means a lot and helps us do this each and every month uh whether mark's here or not uh <laughs> so um you can do that and you can go as long as you're on youtube looking up the unipiper stuff you can be on youtube and find binsworthy b-i-n-s binsworthy where uh unipiper and me and mark middleton go to the uh, Goodwill outlet bins find the most bizarre stuff we can find and do a little roundtable discussion of that. And Todd, if people want to watch uh, Crazy Video Volume Three, <laughs> oh yes, where will they be able to see? So they'll crazy? be able to hopefully find that at the Portland at the Movies page on YouTube. But I will also um, my my side hobby is to find. Um, all these weird tapes from the bins um, and upload them to YouTube on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Todd Workhoven. So if you can figure out how to spell my last name, you can find that on YouTube because they won't let me change the stupid <laughs> channel name. Uh, but I upload like three a night of just these strange little instructional videos or slices from the past or lots of little organ history ones that I find that people have. Um, it's really a up. great service that you're doing. Yeah, it's, I think you're, it's awesome. you're, you're doing the Lord's work. It's a little internet <laughs> archive that nobody watches. So, uh, well, do, do that i can tell you crystal's really excited for you to post that so uh, nice yes yeah. i'll i'll get that one up asap so you can do that and you can also find us all on the fun employment radio network so check out them they're doing lots of live shows uh this summer they had one yesterday they get have little get togethers and do live shows and either do bingo or um cornhole afterwards so check them out at fun employment radio other than that i will take you out with the song that plays at the beginning of this movie this time um we will see you guys later score you've got something missing i'll help you look you can be sure and if you want to be alone someone to share a